there will be times where you have more budget, less budget, but you're always having to think about how you deploy your people. So I'm, I really try to become more efficient in how we operate because what, what I want to do is allow, take that time back and give it to my team so they can be, you know, they can have more time to be creative and that they can sort of explore their inner intellectual curiosity, right? That is a big part of, I guess, the satisfaction for people and get to do those things that they find really interesting. You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a B2B podcast that brings you the juiciest insights from go-to-market leaders and practitioners. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Sunny Side Up podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Gambardella. I've got a um, co-host today, if you want. Another Tyler, probably cooler odd Tyler. He's had his name first, Tyler Haney over at Mitel. Tyler, say hello to the folks. Hey, how's it going? I'm Tyler Haney. I am head of digital and marketing analytics at Mitel. And I'm, I think, one of the older Tylers around at this point. So, uh, <laughs> Wait, hold on. I have a question. Oldest Tyler. Tyler is one of like the most common names in the late 90s. So I'm starting to date you. You're saying you're older than that. I am substantially older than that. Let's just say, so Mitel is a 50-year-old communications company. There's not, it's not a lot older than I am. Okay. All right. All right. So you guys are meant to be. We were both founded in the 70s. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) So digital marketing analytics over at Mitel. We'll tell us a little bit about Mitel. It's kind of one of those companies that has been around for a long time. It's got like a really important role in just like digital infrastructure across country in the world really but like we not if you ask the common person on the street what mytel is and what they do i feel like they wouldn't really have the same answer so so let's hear from you like yeah sure i mean like i said we're a 50 year old we're a 50 year old business communications company we have 35 million users across 100 different countries or over 100 different countries we have collaboration software we have contact center solutions and really our strategy is to provide flexible solutions for our customers that will both meet their needs today and into the future. So um, we're really starting to get into some stuff that I'm really interested in, which is integrations and APIs, which is really exciting for me. And integrations and APIs into what? Like into like, are we talking like what I'm thinking of like video recording, like, you know, Zoom meetings. So actually we just launched, so my collab, is one of our applications that's been around for quite a long time, right? And it's just, our, it's like a, it's our it's sort of our collaboration hub. We just launched in our most recent release, I believe, cross-launch capabilities with a number of other like, meeting platforms. Everyone thought like ChatGPT and like Gen AI and things like that, like they would just take everyone's jobs. But I feel like it just makes everyone <laughs> better at their job and more productive. Yeah, I mean, I think so too. We have some within my team. We actually have a pretty interesting. We actually have a pretty interesting use case around how we've used Chat ChatGPT for become more efficient than some of our marketing teams. Yeah, no. When we first met, you were like, "Hey, basically, like my job across like marketing data, the whole like pipeline org is like figure out new and creative ways to be more efficient, free up people's time, be more accurate, do more with less." That's why I was really excited to talk to you because I'm like, okay, what, like, from your perspective, what are you doing? What are you using to make, you know, streamline things, make your teams more productive? You know, 
I just feel like in this whole era, it's like, okay, everyone's got budgets that are a little more, you know, just maybe picked at with a fine tooth comb. Anything new coming along has to be kind of looked at very heavily by different procurement departments, things like that. But you're using some pretty creative ways just internally with the tech that you've already got to do a lot, which is something that our data folks, everyone really is is trying to do themselves. So before we go into that, like, tell me a little bit more about your role and then like, let's just dive into it. I want to hear about this Gen AI example that you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I've been in Mitel, I'm in my ninth year now. I actually have a background. I actually have a background in healthcare. I started off like building websites in, in the nine, in the nineties when people were being named Tyler. I started off build, I was building websites in grad school to make some cash. So I kind of leveraged that to turn it into a, a, a job as a web content manager. And I got into, I really got into the data point and like how we could bring in more patients to a, a large healthcare system in North Carolina. Um, and then I, right before I, I made the jump over to telecom. I started getting into what we would probably call product marketing. It's called service line marketing and healthcare. But since I've been to it, since I have been in Mitel, I've managed a number of different functions, anything from digital to content and creative uh, demand generation. Um, right now I'm really focused on, on, on analytics and then also on the digital side, like those integrations and making sure that I mean, the way I look at it, right, it's always been the case that things that that we're going to have resources to get deployed in different ways, right? So we're, there will there be times where you have more budget, less budget, but you're always having to think about how you deploy your people. So I'm, I really try to become more efficient in how we operate because what, what I want to do is allow, take that time back and give it to my team so they can be, you know, they can have more time to be creative and that they can sort of explore their inter- intellectual curiosity, right? That is a big part of, I guess, the satisfaction for people and what makes them really enjoy their jobs is to get to do those things that they find really interesting. And I think that's, and we want to create more time for that or just time to spend time with family and friends, you know? I mean, how people becoming more, I'm very interested again in the, the data and how we can run business better, but also in how we can, you know, make better use of our time to do more interesting things. Yeah. Free ourselves up from like the monkeys on the keyboard to actually being human beings and just being like super productive for, you know, six, eight hours a day. And then meeting up the rest of your life to do so many other things. Um, All right. Let's get into Gen AI because this is a tool that I'm not going to lie. There's probably some early Tylers out there designing websites and using some AI stuff to kind of maybe do it five times faster. I bet it's something that you probably wish you had back then. Oh my gosh. I mean, there, I mean, I just saw the other day, um, there, like someone actually developed, built an entire website from scratch and they generated the entire thing, AI, the entire website. Yeah. And I, I think I know what you're talking about. I think I saw that too. Twitter or X now or whatever. <laughs> the thing is, right, like you can't compete with that, right? Like you don't. We don't have a choice. You can't have enough people on staff to keep up with that, right? So you have to figure out how to leverage it, right? And so I think that's one of the things that that we've done. We, I mean, we don't have endless resources. We have several teams within our marketing organization spend a ton of time, and again, we just don't have. A, we don't have endless people. 
So to keep up with the company's needs to be able to compete in the market. So recently, we we my head of digital actually was is really great, um, and he's like, well, you know, here's what we could do. You know, we can try to do some of this Gen AI stuff and see, you know, see how it works. So we ran some experiments with it, and we had some pretty decent results on the quality of the content. So we actually created we we actually created our own content generator in the last month or so. And what it does, so rather from rather than starting from scratch, you know, we do have there is a there is human interaction with, but rather than starting from scratch, that generator looks at our own web content and other content and use that information to create new content that's either we actually create a couple standard content types, potentially like like could be like an email or a blog post or something like that, or you can just use the traditional prompt like you would see in like a chat GPT. And so now, you know. Our content creators are can be you know fifty seventy five percent down the road and then add touches to it as opposed to trying to come up and write the whole thing from scratch. So that's I think that's one that's it just allows our teams to be more efficient and the way that we we're using it with our own content. We know that we generate that content, so the accuracy is it's going to go way up as well. What's the control like on that? Like, can you tell it like, hey, I need these like topics to be emphasized these words to be included you could okay yeah so what we're doing right now we have it sort of we have it constrained a little bit to certain page types on our website and then we sort of like i said there is a prompt and so you can give it a little more you know you can ask it to do a little more if you want to but we have it constrained to like to some content types and you can actually look at it with a one thing we're we have we write it do a lot of vertical verticalized content so we have some verticals where we do more business than others. So we actually can have built it to put a sort of vertical spin potentially on the content that it generates and how, so for example, without having to use, I guess, like without having to use the prompt, it will say you can, you could write a blog post about a particular product and its benefits in hospitality or healthcare or finance or whatever. That's awesome. So you're kind of constraining it so that you're learning from it. How is it doing? Uh, so I, I think we're really, I mean, it's fairly new. How is it doing in terms of the content that's being generated is pretty high quality. I think what's yet to be seen for us is, I mean, this there's going to be a flood of content in the market, right? It, just because of this. So what's yet to be seen for us is, can we leverage that? I mean, organic web traffic is a huge thing for every company. You know, you want that, that sort of like, not free, but the free <laughs> that there quotes free about traffic and pipeline generation. So if we can successfully drive organic traffic growth to our website and generate pipeline, generate leads from it, then that's going to be the kicker. So I think that the quality of content is pretty high. I think we still need to figure out just full transparency. We still need to see how that's going to help, if that's going to help us compete better. All right, Tyler, you've had a couple of months. How is it doing? How much money did it make you? No, that's awesome. Okay. So what about like headlines too? Or like, are those, or is it like building those to like the titles of the company? That's a, so that's one of the things, right? That we are, that's actually one of the content types as well. You could, cause a headline and our subject line or ad creative. Yeah. I was just going to say it. We actually have specific content types that we can, that, that we could use for those things. Right. And then we would still obviously test them. And, and, you know, if we're on the market, we're doing it, we're using it to generate ads and we still test those ads or against each other or whatever. But yeah, we have, those are amongst the content types that we have. 
Yeah, that that no, it's a it, it's really cool, and I'm really excited. Like, how long have you been doing this? Couple months now. Yeah, it's just been a couple of months. I mean, it started off as it actually started off as an experiment because in our non English, like, so we so we have obviously since we operate in a number of different countries, not all of our content is in English, and but a lot of our a lot of our staff are in English speaking countries. So we were under resourced and we we're under resourced in like French and German. So we actually started off as an experiment to maybe generate some origi- some content that originated in those languages. And then, and, and so we were able to generate some content relatively quickly in places for, you know, for our websites where we would sometimes struggle to have the resources to keep up. I, I didn't think about that. You're such a global company. You got to think global, act local. You should be generating local based content and local based language that does it work in every language or is it like the select main ones or i guess the ones that like you know we focus on certain languages i mean our biggest languages that we support right now are english french and german if we decide to expand those the supported supported languages or whatever then that's a good way to start, you know, generating content. We do, we do, I mean, we actually do AI based translations for other content as well. So, you know, you translate some of the stuff you have and start generating new content in language. And then it just takes some time away. It, we don't have dedicated necessarily content people in every one of those languages. So we would sometimes be borrowing time from local market or something like that. And so that takes time, you know, that takes time from other things that they're going to be doing. So if we can generate that content in language, then they can do more of a review and sort of, you know, make some updates and get back to, you know, their day job, right? Oh, yeah. No, that's, no, I didn't even think about that. That's awesome. I got a question. Call me crazy, but like, are you using it to generate certain like photos, stock photos, images, that kind of stuff to go along with your content or? How I <laughs> We are, we have not published any of those things oh okay but you've explored it i like it hey let's say that there's you know i mean we have a digital team there there are always some i don't call them skunk works but they're like side projects where people are i mean just have a have an interest in these things right and so it's like well could we do that yeah i mean we actually had would and the same thing with like with sort of like voice and video and i mean there's all kinds of little AI-based experiments that we have running sort of just mostly just individuals. We talk about those things as a team, but they're mostly just individuals have an interest in how those things work. I've seen the AI-generated photos of like Drake incorporated somehow into a brand and like you can do like the coolest thing. Well, the other thing that you see now is, who did I see the other day? It was like, it was a rap thing but it was like somebody was they have one rapper doing another like some song by like biggie and they had basically sampled the this it was a i can't remember if it was travis scott i can't remember who exactly it was but like they had sampled a bunch of travis scott or whoever and then had used that to have that have him do you know some song by biggie that and it's i mean it was like it's kind of jaw dropping you hear it I even have heard like where they'll mix like rap and like Frank Sinatra or something and they'll use, you know, they'll let Lil Nas X do Sinatra or something, right? So it's, oh man, I mean, that might get you some leads too. If, if any marketers out there want to get some, get real explorative with the 
Yeah. Well, so we actually try it. We've done a little bit of that just messing around. Like my edit digital, his name guy named Mike Lamp. He actually would, he actually did that with some, some like voice autumn, some AI generated voice stuff where he, he made himself like a, one of our business development reps and had a script that was in his voice that he just fed it the script and it sampled some of his other stuff. And it was like, and then he had it just, he basically, he, they sampled his voice and he gave it the prompt of, you know, do a sales pitch on the whatever, Mitel, I can't remember what it was, maybe my, my voice business or something. And it, his voice, and it was used our content to, to do that. Now we're not using that right now, but it was just, he was just something he did. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, you know, it would be funny. I'm just thinking about that. Like you get a cold call and it's like Barack Obama or something, right? He's like telling you about my tail. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Barack might take issue with that, but that's true. You might have to license his voice. We're a little weird. So yeah. I mean, that's, that gets into a whole nother realm with the, like the right, digital rights to music and voices. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anyone that like, if they actually cold called me. I would actually listen. Like, who's got the, like Morgan Freeman's voice? I could listen to his voice like all day. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's all on the other side of that is so you know the if they have a big enough sample, I mean, you can imagine that maybe some like some celebrities would actually license their AI generated voice, right? It's probably all oh, those deals are probably already being like. I actually think, and so I think that Shaq did that with Alexa, right? You can actually, and I'm not going to do it because I'll be honest. I spent five dollars to get Shaq's voice on my Alexa. <laughs> so great. If if I say, "Hey, Shaq," then my I got to be quiet because they listen really closely. Then my Alexa will, and it's right here, will answer in Shaq's voice. Oh, that's hilarious! I know you got a lot of smart home hacks that you're going to share with us later, but. So this is, yeah, like I'm hearing like, this is such a team collaborative effort. There's a lot of like, a lot of cooks in this and everyone's kind of just experimenting. It's almost like you got this like early 2000s, late 90s.com like vibe going on at Mitel and your team where it's just like, you know, come with your craziest ideas. Nothing's too out of the world or nothing's embarrassing, right? So like, tell me about like, how do you guys get together, collaborate, work as a team, foster creativity? Yeah. So we actually do it really intentionally. One of my favorite times every week we have, we have what we call tea time or it's had different names over the course of time, but it was like tea and cookies or then tea time. And sometimes, I don't know, it's sometimes it ends up being more like spill the tea as my kids would say, but they're really these sort of open, I guess it's not exactly brainstorming. It's not always like solving, like to solve a specific problem. A lot of times people will come with topics and say, okay, here's something that I think that we're inefficient with, or here's something I think we could do better as a company, or here is an actual like real life problem that I need a solution to now. Right. So in the past, one of, one of my, one of my team members came with, Hey, what if we redid our entire sort of, we focus a lot on the channel and channel partners in myself. So we have people that, that sell our solutions. I had one of my team members that said, well, what if we redid our entire web presence as like the Mary Kay model, right? Where everybody gets their own. Now we didn't do that, but it's something like that. It's something that we actually consider a new way of doing things, right? So we intentionally try to encourage people to like, how can we do things differently or better? And sometimes, honestly, sometimes it's trash, right? Like, I mean, I've come up with trash ideas and, you know, and, and sometimes it's just, it's, I mean, all the time it's fun to talk about those possibilities. 
And sometimes it's just impossible to do them, right? But we've ended up with a lot of different solutions that have come from that. So I think we've revamped lead flow processes and we've redone marketing automation campaigns in more efficient ways. We've automated so many processes just because of these these tea time things. And it's just fun for the team. I mean, again, it's like it's Friday afternoon. We may or may not have a beer from time to time during those, you know, during those calls. Actually, some of my team members will actually go to a bar or go to a restaurant or something and have or a brewery and like sit there and work for these things. They tell me it enhances their creativity. Like one one thing like just recently came up with. So my analytics team also does like a lot of list building and list loading and that kind of stuff for the for our sales teams, right? And so that can take a lot of time. And I don't have a ton of analysts on my team. So, you know, this prepping and loading data into Salesforce for our inside sales teams, they were having to touch every account record manually. And that's fine if you're creating four or five accounts. Well if you're creating thousands of accounts, then that's a problem. That's hard, right? So I had one one person on my team, he was spending almost half of his time. He's an analyst. He's supposed to be looking at data, analyzing it and making recommendations. He was spending half of his time just loading data and doing sort of just kind of manual data entry kind of work, which isn't fun. If you've ever ever had to do that kind of work, it's not a whole lot of fun. You don't get a lot of satisfaction out of that. So one of these two times, another guy on the team was like, well, we have this tool that has has what we call has what they call orchestrations, but they're basically automations. Orchestrations, they're basically the same thing. They have this thing called orchestrations, and one of their orchestrations, it will just create accounts automatically. And we're like, really? Okay, why are we using that already? Was the first question. <laughs> so we basically got in touch with our Salesforce administration team and said, okay, this is what we want to do. How, and they basically gave us back the configuration for the fields. We had them create a couple of fields. We changed how we configured our data. And now we can create those accounts automatically and I get half a person back and he gets half of his time back, right? And he can actually go do those actual analyst things. He can go work with our sales team. He can go look at the, he can go look at the, the data and, and make recommendations to the sales team, you know? So, I mean, that's the kind of thing that I find the, the real benefit of some of these things, you know, like you said earlier, people are worried that it's going to take our jobs. It just changes how we get to do our jobs that's awesome and so much room to improve for everyone i think if we all can just take a slice of humble pie and just be like okay our data is probably a mess you know like so much room to improve whether it's you know go to market type of data accounts people leads that kind of stuff or it's just like this stale data that we're storing we're paying money to store in some data warehouse but we're not doing anything with it and so there's just such a there's a like an ocean of possibilities for all companies really to make sense of their data and to better leverage it and if you're the type of company where you still have like people literally just like okay i'm manually upkeeping my data i mean like that's something right there that like okay maybe call up Tyler, get a consulting session with him or something like that. Because like there are definitely tools out there that you can use just to like free up people's time, up level their performance, get you guys running on a much better. It really is. You know, data for marketing is, I get calls constantly from, you know, from different companies who 
have a service or an application or something that they want they want to buy. And we, I mean, companies turn over or people change jobs so so often, and so that data gets out of date really quickly. So we actually spent a lot of time trying to automate some of those processes too with those with data augmentation so we don't have someone that's manually going and looking through you know manually looking to update records and find contacts and all those things yeah and, and don't leave it up to a salesperson to do that because more of the last thing that they're going to do is keep their sales force your salesforce record they know the person they've got a time frame in their head it doesn't matter if that lead yeah you know what i'm not gonna throw anybody under the bus i'm not worrying but let's <laughs> say i have seen that a time or two where yep and then someone leaves jobs and marketing's like oh we should email them and it's like uh yeah so i mean i it's the same with every company so we're putting a lot of effort and time into automating those things so there it's and it doesn't take a person to go manually do those things i mean even just trying to communicate to your own customers, right? I mean, those customers, the person that, that the person at company A, B, C that that bought your so that evaluated and bought your solution, they go to they go someplace else, you know. So to try to you know just to, even just to try to communicate with your own customers is challenging. So we need to we constantly need to make sure that we're trying to keep our data. There's definitely some interesting tools, and you know there there are lots of companies that provide that kind of provide that kind of data and provide the APIs to do those things. And we, I mean, so we're doing a lot to automate those processes. And again, it's the same point. It's the, the we, that'll just now you want to, you can potentially, well, how you could use it. And I think this is something that we're looking at is, okay, I want to do, you know, I want to do a customer newsletter. I'm going to generate the list. I'm going to, and this is an example. We're not actually doing it just like this right now, but you could generate the list. You could go check to make sure the valid contacts. You can go update the contacts that you know from some from other from a third party source, and then you know and do all that in an automated way, where you did a email send or something like that. Yeah. What about more like predictive or scientific ways to look at data, like versus just keeping it like organized and up? Yeah. One of the things like that we did or the weird, and we're still. I mean, we're still working on it. I would say it is. It's more than work in progress, but it's fairly new. One of the big things that we've done recently, and we all have like QBRs, ops reviews, and those things constantly, right? And what we were seeing within our team is that we were spending crazy amounts of time trying just prepping for these meetings, for these reviews, and doing it mostly in spreadsheets, to be honest, right? Because it's easier to then, rather than being in Salesforce or whatever and trying to run something with a ton of filters or whatever like it's just easier to manipulate the data in something like excel right so the thing is as soon as you download download that data i mean there are ways to do use live data sources in excel but we're talking about millions and millions of records so it's really it's pretty tough as soon as you download it, it's out of date so if i'm if i have a if i have a presentation on friday and i pull the data on wednesday if we pull a you know a huge deal on thursday it's not in there. As soon as I present something to the sales team, they're like, well, where's that $2 million deal that I just had in here? So that one of the things that we've done, and it's also really easy to, I guess, really easy to make a mistake, right? To have one little calculation error or something like that if you're using if you're using Excel. So one of the things that we have been working on and it recently is a dashboard, but it's using live Salesforce data and other data. And it looks at what we're trying to do is look at our what our current pipeline is and 
try to predict where we might have gaps in certain regions or verticals of those sorts of things. So without getting into too much, probably it, there, it, there are some people who will be really excited about this. There's some people who will think it's really dry, but so without getting into too much detail, what it does is looks at our historical conversion rates and how long it takes for certain deals to, you know, to close and will basically tell us by region, by other filters, what is our gap in pipeline and what and using real-time data and real-time calculations based on like maybe like an average deal size and an average sales cycle length, where how like if we've got 60 days until the end of the quarter, how many, like how much more business do we need to generate from a pipeline perspective that will turn, that will, then the certain percentage of those will turn into one deals to get us to our targets. So we've spent, and what that does is we can, instead of like running Excel spreadsheets all the time and in QBRs and ops reviews and those sorts of things, we can actually, we can actually just pull up a dashboard and using real data, you know, predict where we are. So it's always a work in progress because different, you know, we have sales operations teams and we can, you know, we can look at things in what processes are different in different regions and those sorts of things. So we're working through some of those, but right now it's saving us again back to the same point it's saving us hours and hours on a monthly basis to have to have built these things using real-time data in dashboards and to try to do some predictive modeling on it how accurate is it <clears throat> you could be honest i would not use it to manage my book of business and necessarily right but in terms of the accuracy i would say right now i would call it 85% something like that enough to make a decision and like ultimately I think where I would try to get would be in the 90s and again it's just like little and sometimes it's like it's, it's sort of operational things like how teams account for something like you know, how teams account for certain types of business or certain things that we can create filters for so it will never be perfect but I think I do believe we can get it into the 90s enough to make decisions and at least I mean the point is just to say okay if we need to redeploy resources in a different way at certain times in the year, then how do we take a person who's working on this thing and have them work on that thing? Because, hey, we're not, looks like there's a gap in, you know, hospitality. Well, let's, if we, if we have something, well, we're doing great in finance, let's, let's redeploy resources in, in hospitality to do things differently. So we don't need it to be, we don't need it to be perfect, but we need it to be very good. That's, no, that's like, it goes back to a thought like that you were saying earlier around like the, the gen AI, the chat GPT stuff being getting you a framework, a really good skeleton or like 80% there. And then your content people over it and they perfect it. It's sort of like the same thing with the scientific predictive ways of looking at our data. It gets you, it sounds like 80, 80 to 90% there. And that's just, that's awesome. Because the amount of time it saved you to go from zero to 80 is freeing up so much more for your team and making you guys so much more efficient and on the ball because now you identify that gap in hospitality, but in your example, maybe two weeks before you would have identified that gap if you're using something like that. And those things are pretty key, right? I mean, you can't get to the last week of the year and be like, oh no. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, I think, you know, the things you can account, you cannot account for in the, in that are like major shifts in the market, right? It's hard. You have to use a lot of historical data to do your predictions. And so uh, it's hard to account for, you know, major shifts in the market 
major downturns, major, like in Europe, if you have a particularly hot summer, you know, you can't account for the fact that the siestas are longer or whatever. You know what I mean? I can't. So there's just, there, there are some things you can't account for, but there are a lot of things. You can't. Yeah. Human in the loop. That's what other companies are referring to as well, right? There's this AI, there's this predictive stuff. And it's important, I think, it, let me know if you agree to this, is like other data focused individuals looking to this to keep in mind that it's not this like pie in the sky. It's not 100%. It's going to get you 80 to 90 and that is damn okay. Oh yeah, absolutely. If you can, I mean, you have to be able to accept that, that it's not going to be, it, it's not going to be perfect, right? But I mean, you know, if I'm in a race and you can, and if I'm in a hundred yard dash and I get to start at 80 yards, yeah, <laughs> one time, man. take that all day, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you know, hundred percent. So it's just like, it's just so creative to think about all the possibilities. Like so many companies too. How long have you guys been doing this, by the way? Like this predictive leveraging data in a more scientific way, at least in, in the way that you're describing. I mean, I think in the way that we're describing, it's probably, probably only, you know, maybe three to six months range that we've been like really getting this and really this into it. We've been doing a lot of like multi-touch attribution modeling and, and we're predictive, but not to the extent we're trying to do it now. Right. So, I mean, that's, it's, we've really in, increased those capabilities the last, you know, three to six months just based on need. So, you know, I think we did a pretty good job before sort of using experience to predict things and combination of experience and data. Now the data has just gotten better. That's awesome. Yeah, no, there's just so much, three to six months. That's nothing in the business world. That's like baby. That's like you were just born. This thing was just birthed and it's going to get so much more ubiquitous and better and it's going to permeate into different areas of the organization. And it's cool because marketing, you, I think you mentioned this before, is that there's just so much data in marketing. And so marketing is... You know, after like data engineers, data scientists, like you really look to marketing as the people in the organization who use data the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, there's a lot of that that they, they'll talk about sort of marketing and IT spend because a lot of the, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the tech, a lot of the technology, the way that we leverage the data now comes through, but it'll be labeled as IT. But I think marketing is the biggest spent right these days. Marketing and sales, you know, obviously Salesforce is going to be a lot of companies run Salesforce, and that's not something cheap. But marketing has a big chunk of the tech stack in most companies now. Yeah, yeah. There's like all this like macro news about how like okay, if there's like okay a macroeconomic downturn, downturn like marketing spend goes down. But it's like <clears throat> what you're saying, like yeah, maybe advertising spend might take a hit temporarily, but I mean, marketing is a huge spender of IT. It's just, you don't see it because it's covered under IT, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you look at any tech stack, you know, you're going to have a CRM, you're going to have a content management system, you're going to have a marketing automation system, you're going to probably have some sort of intent data, some sort of intent data tool, you're going to have data augmentation in terms of, you know, like a, that to, to provide more contacts for accounts. I mean, those are all generally things of marketing and sales use, but those are things that you will only see a website, you know, an email but behind the scenes. There's, you know, there are a lot of technologies and integrations that have to come together to make those things possible. Yeah. Yeah. goes back to your original introduction because you're just, you were just a college kid 
building websites in his free time, making some money. And, and, and yeah. <laughs> not everybody can understand or appreciate all the data, the analytics, the wheels and the cogs that are making that website, that piece of content, that ad, whatever it is, show up. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome, man. This has been great. I want to have you on again. I want to know, like, you guys are so new into this. Three to six months, like, let's do a round two of this. Maybe we'll give it another two quarters, let you finish out the year, and then you'll open your books for us. And no, I'm just yeah. kidding, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think some people might frown on that for that much detail, but we can at least talk... We could talk about what, where we've... I think the interesting things to me, it's not just the things that r- went really well, right? It's the things that we, we kind of sucked at, you know, the thing, the place where we failed and we struggled and like, and then figured out how to pick ourselves back up and do it better, right? I mean, there's a lot of this is a result of those things too, so. And that tea time that you're talking about with your team, it's like, you instill that in your team, right? Like, hey, we're going to try this, we could fail, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most of the time after, at the end of those meetings or even multiple times during those calls, well, I mean, it'll just be like, all right, let's do it. You know, and we'll see how it goes. The times where, you know, honestly, where we've like utterly failed <laughs> and it just didn't work. I mean, like there would be some technical reason you couldn't do it or, you know, whatever. But I think it was still worth it. And it was still worth it. And generally what happens is you figured out something you didn't know before, right? Like that you figured out some limitation that you either have to work around or some limitation that you won't be able to work around because it's just a business constraint and then you just move on to the next day. I got to ask, where do you get your, it seems like you have an intuitive sense for like being creative to solve like problems. Is it, I got to, like there's a quote that says like you should always promote the laziest person because they'll find the most efficient way to do something. But not saying not calling you lazy by any means so now i'm old and lazy yeah no not calling you lazy i knew that was good yeah like where are you getting your inspiration to be like oh that's a cool like i don't know you know what i mean how these people will find the weirdest ephemeral things and then attach it to they bring it to work and yeah so i mean for me one of the things that i think is super helpful and it's kind of nerdy uh i do a lot of home like smart home automation kind of things um so I, to me, it's, it, and that stuff always changes, right? I mean, you can, there's always, there's always, they're always new, whether it's voice activated or there are new integrations between different tools or whatever, there are always things that are changing in the, in the home automation, whether it's your refrigerator, your damn coffee maker, oven or what I don't, like some of the things like I find less interesting. Like I don't feel, I don't know how I, like, I think I have a smart dryer. I'm like, oh, I, I can just push the button. That'll be fine. And yeah, I mean, I think it's like, it's more like web connect. I don't, I honestly, like some of the things I think are like, it, they're not as useful as they are interesting. You know, I mean, it's just the sales thing. It's like, look at our smart toaster. I'm like, it's what, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, some of them are less interesting. Some of them are more interesting. Wait, but that's, I a, good, that's a wait, sorry. That's a good analogy though, because like some of the things that uh, a team will choose to automate or choose to put data to work or, or try to get creative on. It's like, this isn't going to be, the juice isn't worth the squeeze kind of thing on it, right? I mean, you know, I think that, you know, it's, there There are a lot of people in the market that just want to buy that thing, right? So, I mean, I guess it, if it works for them to say that your toaster is internet connected, that's great, right? And your toaster works with, works with the refrigerator. So when the oven, 
when the oven is, has, when your, your quiche is done, then, and the oven shuts off, then start your toaster. Fine. Okay. If that's how you want to automate, that's, I mean, it, I guess that's the, actually, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> that's a very oddly specific example there, Tyler. I feel like you, you, you tried to automate a, a quiche ready for you every, every morning. Well, I mean, like you could do something like if that was your particular interest, if you were trying to run a kitchen or something like that, or you're for the holidays, you want, I mean, you could potentially, you have all these things connected. You can do those sorts of things. I tend to be more practical. Like one thing that that I, that I did that was pretty interesting was my house had a gate, but like a a, a large gate in the back uh, in, in in the back, and I had a sensor on it, just an open close sensor, right? And I had small dogs, and if the gate was open when the dogs were outside, then they would run off. And these are cavalier king charles spaniels they're not smartest dogs and so they would not really want to come back and that would turn into a whole thing which wastes my time trying to go find the dogs right even though they have the smart tags themselves the dogs actually have the smart tags too so what this particular automation did was it when my when i would come home from this back in the days when i was in the office when i would get in a certain zone it would send it would actually turn on it would blink a couple of different lights smart bulbs in inside the house so my kids would know to get the dogs inside before the gate opened up so i didn't have to even call it's just stuff like that right so it's it it was always the inconvenience was that okay the dogs run off it's gonna waste my time and it happened two or three times how can i fix this well okay if someone in the house knows you know three or four minutes before i actually get there that i'm going to be opening the gate then they can make sure that the dogs are inside and then I don't have to go track them down, you know? And so it's all kinds of things like that, right? I can have it, like I, I currently have very simple things that when I'm coming home, if there are lots of if then statements in it, right? So if I'm coming home and it's after, and it's after dark, then, and it, as soon as it senses me in my home area, then it will turn on, it'll open my garage. It will turn on the entryway lights. It will, you know, do a number of things play lovely jazz music or whatever but i mean it's just i mean it's like sometimes it's actually to become more efficient sometimes it's to solve problems and sometimes it's just for like a little bit of extra quality of life right you know i mean if you like it if you want to hear jazz when you walk in the door then that's real easy to do and so there the thing is is there are endless things you can do with it right like i think really endless i mean they're they have they're they're smart vents and so if you only, if you have a house with only one air conditioning unit, there are smart vents. So you actually have, the vents have sensors in them. So it can actually, if you're running your air conditioning and you want it to be, you know, 71 degrees in your house or 67 at night, cause you like to sleep you like it cold when you sleep. Well, if your sensor is on your main floor and if you are, if your thermostat's on your main floor and it says it's 67, but the heat rises and your bedroom is upstairs and it's 72 in your bedroom, you're not going to be very comfortable. So it can actually, there are actually these vents now that you can, that will sense the temperature in those rooms and it will, it will send more air, it'll close, open and close vents based on the temperature in those rooms. And so you can keep the one uh, one I got to look up to see, see that one I got to look up because I feel like that one's, if you could configure it, you could save a hell of a lot of money on just energy costs. Well, yeah. You can also, there's, I mean, there the fans work with them too, right? So there are the fans are internet connected as well. 
you don't have to have like a big ass fan either. Like even, you know, some of these smaller ones, you can just run to Home Depot and get her connected as well. So you can basically create these automations that, that run the fans, run the vents. There are blinds that you can open and close blinds. Yeah. I've seen that. Those are expensive though. I feel like those, those ones are expensive and it's like the, they're going to get cheaper. Then I'll get into that market. But the whole thing is, I mean, they're irrigation systems and all those, all these things you can, all these things are available now. And it's a matter of, you know, what, it, what, it, that, that's what I think about. That's why it relates to work, right? It's about what makes you more efficient or what makes your life easier or better in some way. And, but it, you have to think creatively about what's available to you and, and also make decisions about, like you just said, right? Like what, I can buy the $20,000 thing, I'm probably not going to, right? But if I've got the $5 solution, the little sensor I can throw here, I can solve a fairly big problem with a fairly cheap solution or an expensive solution. And that's how you have to think in the office as well, right? Like I have this thing over here available to me and I can use this other tool that maybe wasn't even meant to do that thing, right? But it has this feature to it that I can use for free and it makes my life easier, right? So I think that to me, it just helps with being more creative in how you solve problems and it gets you thinking about, you know, it, it sort of makes me think about how I can do lots of other things better. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, you're getting your inspiration, the smart home, getting inspiration for the smart business. I love it. Any, all right. Last question for you. Any favorite like books, podcasts, blogs, that kind of stuff that you can leave the viewers on? Yeah, where for sure. Yeah. I think everybody has certain, like, they're like straight business things. Like, I love Unbalanced for like conversion rate optimization. Everybody knows that. I will say, but, and there are lots of them. Like, I like, I like Lifehacker because it's, it's home automation, but also a lot of other stuff. I think Lifehacker is great. So I spend some time there. I will say my favorite, I have a, what I, so this is probably the nerdiest thing about me. If you like people want to question what's your favorite book, my favorite book on, that I is called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. And, and he's been doing research about it, it, psychology for a long time and how people and human behavior really, it sort of dives into human thinking and it looks at like cognitive biases. So it kind of, and, and so it shows like how brilliant we are as humans and also like how limited the human mind can be at times. And so the thinking fast and slow, it's like the, your brain basically tries to automate things, right? Your brain sees, it takes in data, it tries to automate things and it makes a lot of assumptions. And that's that sort of the fast thinking. And then there's the slow thinking where you actually, you actually intentionally take into consideration all these data points and think and like try to apply logic to it without letting your brain make this automatic response, right? And the whole book's about, is about that. Um, one of my favorite pieces of it is it talks about, and, and because I'm a marketer, it talks about framing and the framing effect. And framing is like the context in which choices can be presented to someone, right? So, and this we're talking about a book that's probably a thousand pages. I mean, it's all about this. There's one of the things I think is the most interesting. If I say to you, okay, you have a serious medical condition and you're going to have a procedure, the survival rate of that procedure is 90%. Okay. That sounds great, right? That's awesome. I'm going to get like, there's a 90% chance I'm going to get better. If I say same data, same exact data, well, this procedure that this really serious procedure you have is going to have, it has a 10% mortality rate. I just told you the exact same thing. 
Now, which one of those, what, the, what, if I tell you that there's a one in 10 chance that you're going to die, there's a 90% chance that you're going to live. I've told you the exact same thing. Yep. But it had totally opposite emotional reaction. Exactly. What's going to, you're, if I tell you that it's 10% mortality rate, you're going to be like, no, 90% chance that you're going to be, that you're going to do just fine. Yeah. That sounds great. Right. So I think that there are all kinds of these like cognitive biases and heuristics and effects that, that are really interesting. I think so. I read a lot about those things. All right. That's awesome, man. Thinking fast and slow. All right. Well, Tyler, listen, smart business guy, smart home guy, got a nerdy side to him, but <laughs> not afraid to get down and dirty. Hey, man, it was wonderful meeting you. Seriously, we got to do a part two on here soon where you come on and you tell us all about the epic failures and some of the successes that you guys are seeing on this, on this creative transformation, man. Absolutely. That would be great. I really, this is fun. Let's do it again. All right. Well, hey guys, let's leave it at that. Tyler Haney, Tyler Gambardella, signing off. Sunny Side Up Podcast. Talk to you guys next time. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is smarter GTM for B2B brands to help marketing and sales teams spot the juiciest opportunities earlier and progress them faster. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demand Based TV. 